How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. My name is Ronnie. So, Ronnie, let's just have a chat about what we got up to on Friday night. So, through and hearties, you know, three single guys, we decide, lacquer, let's have a braai, let's chill out by the dam. So, you know, we light the braai, we toss the meat on. How many ribs did we braai there, Ronald? No, a lot. <laughs> Absolutely a lot. Right. So, it's barbecue for you Americans. Yeah, it was a ridiculous number of ribs. And then you set it down on the table and you realize you're all guys because there's no salad. There's just, just a just plate of ribs. A giant plate of meat. <laughs> That's all it was. Plate of meat. It was ridiculous. Plate of meat. It was fantastic. I didn't have to worry about what my face looked like. I just scoffed down a whole bunch of ribs. No one cared that we were being savages. No, it was absolutely ridiculous. Didn't even have any knives or forks no cutlery nuts just a plate of meat always like it to have a bra though especially on a friday night after a long week at the office why did you have to mention that we were three single guys well it would have been a dead giveaway anyway ronnie because there was no salad that's true but come on you know saturday ronnie and i had every intention of going through to the box farewell but one of our friends puria was on his way through to the dam and on the highway his bonnet flipped up that's an interesting development i've always wondered what would happen when the bonnet flips up going down the highway at 120? And, well, I suppose he, he answered that question. Yeah, so he is okay at least. That's the main thing. But the bonnet did flip up while he was doing 120 k's an hour on the highway. And it smashed his windscreen on the top of his car. Basically wrote the car off. And what we're trying to get to is we really wanted to be at the airport, but we had to deal with a broken car situation. No, what I'm really trying to get to is that Owen Farrell could have done that to someone and gotten away with it. That's true. <laughs> But yeah, so his car was pretty stuffed. Windscreen smashed, the whole roof dented in. We were busy assisting with that, so we weren't able to make it to the send-off. But Ronnie, I hear it was pretty lucky there. I also heard it was pretty lucky. Belinda was there? Yeah, Belinda was there. She was representing. She got a nice selfie with Sia and a couple of other fans in the, in the grounds. But it looked about 5,000 people turned out. It's impressive. I didn't know where it was going to be held, and they seemed to squeeze all those people into that one little parking bay or parking space there in front of O.R. Tambo. Fantastic to see a little bit of a stage. Some chias. Yeah, some good musicians performing as well, which was great. Everyone that did attend. And a good send-off for the boys as they head off overseas. It's crazy to think that the next time they'll be on South African soil, their time at the World Cup will be done. Yep, that's for sure. And it's right around the corner now, Ronnie. So we but, hope that they only come back in November. Yeah, correct. Correct. And then we've got to go for the bus tour again. So, Ronnie, talking about the World Cup then, obviously this weekend we had some World Cup warm-up fixtures on the cards. Quite a few games. Some we're just going to gloss over. There's others that have quite a few talking points. So let's kick it off. First up, we had Georgia. They got a 56-6 win over Romania. That's a massive one. Anything north of 50. Anything north of 50, but even just 30 points or something that a very big margin. And it just goes to show, Georgia probably should be in the Six Nations. Yeah, Georgia really performing well. And, you know, they're in a pool that they could potentially make a quarterfinal out of. So it would be interesting to see how they do there. That's a bold statement. No, I said could. I didn't say it would. Yeah, but you're entertaining the, the likelihood that, it's, that it could happen. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go for the bold prediction. Georgia to make it out of their pool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get you so many. Look, they're very good. But to string together a whole bunch of big wins against some big nations, Yeah, no, it's a bit of a reach. I'll definitely give you that, Ronnie. Would be nice to see, though, for the game. 
Well, honestly, one of the most inspirational moments was when Mamuka Gugods like got man of the match against the All Blacks. Georgia played them, so it's a you know it's a team that has a soft spot in my heart, and genuinely, I'd love to see them do exceptionally well because you know they they deserve it. They deserve to be in the Six Nations or Seven Nations or whatever you want to call it, and um, I think they've been hard done by. Yeah, I think you know should they manage to qualify for a World Cup playoff. We do a lot to further their cause in that regard as well. And Romania seems to have struggles with their, with their youth structures. It's a little bit sad to see them wasting away a bit. And look, I read somewhere that somebody said this is possibly going to be one of their, their last World Cups because they just seem to be falling away. And that's sad. World Rugby needs to do something. We need, we need those nations to step it up. And an incredibly tough pool for Romania because they'll face us, they'll face Ireland, and they'll face Tonga and Scotland. Well, I'm surprised you didn't say they're going to make it through to the quarters or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a bit of a stretch there, Ronald. Then over to a game that I have a lot to say about, I'm pretty sure you do too. And it's England's 1917 victory over Wales. I don't know how I feel about that. It's a bit of a poor performance from England, right? Yeah, but I would say equally poor from uh, Wales. They had all the opportunity they had. There were three players up at one stage. They should have won that game. Yeah, I think Wales will be disappointed they didn't come away with a win. I think the win for England probably gives them a bit of a false sense of hope as well, though. And which win are you talking about? Are you talking about the uh, scoreboard or the win that Owen Farrell's not being sanctioned? Yeah, Ronnie, absolutely ridiculous. So as you pointed out, they, England at one point were reduced to 12 men. Owen Farrell getting red carded, but that was after yellows given to Ellis Genge and Freddie Stewart. So Owen shouldered Basham in the face. Could you say it any more dramatically? But that's exactly what he did. No, I, I agree. It's, it's exactly what he did, and he's done it many times before. And you know what? He hasn't been punished. Yeah, so we were all thinking, you know, he's going to be Tackle School's first master's student, having completed the course in January. Funny enough, Rugby Pass, which is the voice of World Rugby, having been bought by them last year, posted yesterday a photo of Johnny Sexton, Owen Farrell being out of the World Cup. Yet, here we are. Owen Farrell went through his disciplinary proceeding on Tuesday. And not only did they not sanction him, they removed the red card from his record. In actual fact, he did not high tackle Basham. No, he did not. Technically, what they're then saying is the inverse must be true. And Basham headbutted Owen's shoulder. That's unacceptable. Basham unacceptable. Should, Basham should have been carded yeah. for that. That's ridiculous. Who headbutts Owen Farrell's shoulder and gets away with it? So as a starting point here, I think it's also important to point out that Tane Basham failed his HIA and is not able to play for Wales against the Springboks this weekend. So as far as World Rugby is concerned, it was just a rugby incident. Yeah, it was another rugby incident, as you put it so eloquently there, Ronnie. It's... I mean, it's absolutely bloody ridiculous is what it is. So why don't, you, why don't you let us hear what you have to say? So in removing the red card from his record, they've now also said, you know, the referee got it wrong. The TMO got it wrong, which is ridiculous as well. The comment that, that I have to read here is, the committee believe it is important to record that no criticism is made of the foul play review officer, nor would any be warranted. Unlike the foul play review officer, the committee had the luxury of time to deliberate and consider in private the incident and the proper application of the head contact process. Now, that's blatantly false. He was given a yellow card and the review team looked bunker. at it in the bunker. 
Yeah. Wasn't just, as far as I know, it's just not just one person in the bunker. No. And here we are. Now this decision's been overturned. No, it's absolutely shameful. You say that it was held in private. In private. In private. I'm pretty sure the RFU was invited to that meeting. Yeah. Uh, It's unbelievable because he's a repeat offender. It's clearly contact to the head. They mentioned that Jamie George George influenced his movement and and which resulted in the contact to the head. But at the end of the day, you ask yourself, in some cases, they talk about intention being not part of it and all coming down to player safety. So that was clearly a reckless attempt at tackling. Absolutely. So, I mean, there was no doubt that there was contact with the head directly there with the shoulder. And as Ronnie points out, there's this huge move from World Rugby to protect players, avoid head injuries. And then you've got the RFU who claims to take this even further by saying they're lowering the tackle height. And then here we get dished up an example of a player violating the ethos of the game and the rules and getting away with it. So the citing commission said it's three Aussies, by the way, that reviewed that. So Lackey and Dan, if you guys are listening to this, what is up with that, boys? Down in Australia, what's going on there? Down under, you guys have everything backwards. Yep, absolutely. So the commissioner comes out and says now, this doesn't meet the threshold for a red card due to the sudden, unforeseen change of body height by Basham as a result of number two, which was Jamie George, interfering in the tackle. Please, everybody, go and watch this video and then listen to the rest of this segment because there's a minimal change in body height. If there's a change in body height, it's Owen going up. Jamie George also barely touches him. I seem to recall Peter Steptatoy getting carded last year, clearing out the ruck, I believe. It was a reckless charge, but he was also pushed along by uh, another player and he still got sanctioned for that. It seems like it's only a rugby incident if it happens to a Northern Hemisphere team. No, we, we need to be positive here, baby. We just say, we need to leave it at World Rugby. Why? What are you guys doing there? Yeah. Well, Lauren Moore, if you're listening, Ronnie's told me I need to tone myself down. But I'm definitely having a bit of a rant here. You gave me permission over Instagram today. And I think it's absolutely unacceptable. I think it shows a clear bias. And you know what? If this is now set a precedent, I want to see this followed through the whole World Cup then. Well, as Rossi said in that when Owen, Owen Farrell's, I suppose they called it a tackle, Andre Estes and way back then, Rossi Rasmus says if it was illegal, if it was illegal, it would have been penalized and sanctioned. So clearly it was a legal tackle. And uh, we should all start tackling like that because it's very effective. Yeah. So I've heard a rumor that even Etzebeth's allowed to tackle DuPont around the earlobes now, as long as Peter Steph to toy like pumps him a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Fair play. Loophole. <laughs> no, absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't protect players' safety. And, you know, it spoils the game when you see something like that. And especially seeing him also fail in HIA. Yeah. Disgusting. So we also have some injuries coming out of that game with Van Portfleet, the number nine, being injured. He's been replaced in the England squad. Loss, definitely, but not the biggest loss the team could suffer. No, England's definitely got some backup at nine. I wouldn't be too concerned about their depth at nine. It's elsewhere that I would be concerned. Although, with that said, and the potential of Farrell, you know, having been sanctioned, we were all thinking it would happen. George Ford... Right, that's yeah. a, that's good depth, and that's that's a player that they should potentially be playing at ten uh, instead of Farrell because England played a lot better when George Ford was in charge. True, true. And then Ronnie, you know, we've seen Gats. He's now said he's naming his squad at the last possible moment, and he's backing youth quite heavily. A number of senior players retired, and you know, Gats is really backing the youth here. Is it paying off for him? 
Well, he's backing youth and he's possibly not playing for now, but he's possibly looking forward towards the Lions too and then obviously competing in Australia as well. Seems to be a lot of teams that are backing the youths, youths uh, over experience and that seems to be their intention. Let's, let's build for the next World Cup. Let's write this one off, which is a bit sad, but I can see their arguments. Yeah, at face value, it definitely looks like Gats and Eddie are playing the same game at the moment. Picking young teams, trying to give them experience and really make a challenge in four years' time. Absolutely. Then, Ronnie, over to France. This was a big game. France coming out 30-27 victors over Scotland. Yeah, and they. I think France were very lucky to get away with a win there. I thought Scotland played exceptionally well. France had a brilliant five-minute period in the start of the second half. And they seem to, to jump away. But Scotland did exceptionally well to come back. Yeah, how nice was it to see those South African wingers at full tilt? Yeah, so yeah. that's absolutely... <laughs> Carl Stein, brilliant. Yeah, Honestly, he came out of nowhere, really. And that's, that's my fault for possibly not following him through the, through the ranks and, and all the competitions. And then suddenly seeing him in Scotland and, and doing so well. Him and... What's the other winger's name? Duan van der Merwe. Duan van der Merwe. And then you've still got my favourite, Darcy Graham, in the mix. Darcy Graham, honestly, very, very, very good rugby. Yeah, it's it's great to see Scotland seem to have managed to come up with a game plan that fills up for their lack of physicality up front. And it's been really nice to see their backline operating so smoothly. Finn Russell also having a massive influence now that he and the coach have put their problems behind them. Well, we watched that Squidge video. On Finn Russell, I wonder if that maybe did him and the Scottish team a bit of a disservice because now you see it. You the see Huey, it a lot. The Huey Pilatu switch in the centres. Yeah, it's unbelievable, but it's effective for them. Done exceptionally well. The attack is is brilliant, and we saw in last week's match that their defence is is also up up to the task. So a bit nervous being in Pool B of the World Cup. Yeah, and seeing how well Finn can put those kicks out wide as well as pass it out wide. You know, our defense is really going to have to be on point to shut down that attack when we face them on the 10th of September. Ronnie, France, are they holding something back? I think all teams to some extent, or at least the top five teams, will be holding something back. The teams that think that they have a realistic chance of winning this World Cup are all holding something back. And that's you've got to play chess, not checkers. You can't reveal everything and have all the teams prepare accordingly to, to defeat you. You've, you've, got to, you've got to have some aces up your sleeves. No, absolutely. Another player that's really impressed me for Scotland is their eighth man, Jack Dempsey. This weekend, he got 14 carries for 87 meters, two offloads. And you can understand why he's keeping Hamish Watson out of the side. And Hamish Watson is brilliant, right? Yeah. So very well done from a young eighth man there. Ronnie, something you asked on the WhatsApp group this week that I thought was quite an interesting question was regarding Scotland. You know, do you fear Scotland more now that they've beaten France and lost so narrowly in a return fixture? Or do you just fear France a little less? I think the credit has to go to Scotland. I think Scotland have surprised me and it surprised a lot of people that played exceptionally good rugby. They they didn't come off as victors this, this week, but they pushed, they came close. And they won last week against arguably one of the, 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 the top horses for, for the World Cup. In France. Yep. No, so very, very impressive from the Scots. I think it's going to be a big fixture when we face them in the World Cup, our opening game. I don't know, Ronnie. Banana peel, right? Banana peel. It's going to be a, a big start to the World Cup. Then huge news coming out of the French camp. Firstly, Cyril Bai. He suffered a six-week injury, so he has been ruled out. So Bai, Cyril. Yeah, unfortunately. 
And then an injury I'm actually very disappointed about. It's a player I was excited to see in the World Cup. Roman Intermac has torn his ACL and he will not feature in the home World Cup. So unlucky. It's very, very unlucky. You know, that's some real talent that we've been robbed from seeing. Obviously, it strengthens other teams' chances. I've seen everyone. I said about 10%. It reduces France's chances. I've seen many people go as far as 30 or 40%. I feel a little bit better as a South African supporter, potentially not having to face Intermac, but you don't want to see that. For the game, you need the top players to play. And it's just unfortunate for him and for the French team. Yeah, absolutely, Ronnie. Then we go over to another World Cup side, Portugal, getting a 46-20 to 20 win over the USA. That surprised me a little. It surprised me a lot. Thought to USA based on their win in the previous week, I think it was against Chile. Yeah. You know, they proved that they potentially need to be in the World Cup and they were unlucky not to be there. And I backed them for this week. But then Portugal, well, bloody done. Honestly, that's that's fantastic to see. Yeah, very, very well done to Portugal. Hopefully that sets them on a good course for the World Cup. Then Ronnie, Chile going down 26-28 to Namibia. Namibia stealing it at the death. Great to see our Southern African brothers pulling off a win there. Yeah, Matt Proudfoot in the forwards coaching department and Alistair Kutsia as head coach. Maybe they'll dish up a surprise at the World Cup too. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Ronnie's getting fed up with all my predictions now. So Ronnie, last game that was played on Tuesday morning at bloody early 2am. Tonga 36-12 Canada. Yeah, so that's the Tonga I expected to see, right? And and they and they pulled it off, right? So we spoke about the injuries list that they had in the previous week, and they seem to be a little bit better off this week or this past weekend. And uh, it was good to see them come away with the W. Maybe I'm still a little bit nervous, but not so much with respect to Pool B. Yeah, I think it's difficult to gauge where Tonga actually is at now because, as you said, they had a big injury list. They haven't really played the strongest of opposition. And a win over Canada doesn't really give us a good indication of where they are ahead of facing them in our pool. Yeah. Ronnie, how are we doing on Superbrew? How badly are you currently losing to me? Do you know what position you are in Superbrew? Seventh. Out of? 1,100. No, that's very, very wrong. So the top three positions, we've got a third place. We've got Guru on 16 points. Guru is Andre Arlok. So 16 points is quite respectable. In second place, we've got Gottlieb, uh, which is Heinfenter. He's on 16.25. And in first place, we've got Dev RK, 17.5 points. So he's actually quite far out in front. And that's Devin Kerwins. Lekker, it's just by the way, I am 721st and Nicholas is 1182nd. Yes, you can lie, hey, Ronald. So I'll give it to you. I'm 877. Okay, so I'm still ahead of you. You're still ahead of me. Okay, for now. For so, now. so the rule is that people don't know, since we're going out on the internet, we're putting this part of If you want to get accurate information out of someone, you have to post the incorrect information, and then the other person will correct you. And that's how you get accurate information from someone. <laughs> oh, is that a tactic you just pulled on me, hey, Ronald? So, Ronnie, let's jump over then to the Springboks before we get into anything about the upcoming fixture. I just wanted to chat about the squad. You know, we've had a couple of days to mull it over. We've had a few beers to to talk it out. How are you feeling about the box squad now? I'm very positive about the Springboks squad. We listened to a couple of interviews with with various players and also with Coach Jacques. And I think Jacques was absolutely right. We as a nation need to get behind 
the players in the squads. We can't be complaining and saying that, oh, Marnie Lebok can't be a 10. Uh, we need Andre Pollard there. Andre Pollard hasn't played in over a year, almost a year, right? You know, he hasn't, he, or I'll say for the Springboks at least. You can't expect someone to, as Coach Rock said, run the comrades with only three weeks of practice. If we expect Pollard to just walk into the game and be the Pollard of 2019, we are delusional. We absolutely need to back our team. And we've won with Marnie. We've won with Damien at 10. We can do it. We've we've chopped and changed and we've mixed our squads around, building depth and building combinations. And we absolutely just need to trust in the system that these coaches have put in place. Because honestly, if if you're Marnie, you're definitely not going to win the World Cup if the, if if everybody's slating you to be the worst 10 out there. So it's time we shut up. It's time we start supporting our boys. No, exactly. You make a good point then, as Jacques did point out. You know, it's you can't back Pollard when he hasn't played for so long. You pick what's what's available to you. Now you've got to back them. But also, you know, it's it's the only thing I can fault the Springbok coaches on in this last four-year cycle. Is not blooding Marnie sooner. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. This was this was something that caught us off guard. We didn't have depth at 10 and we suddenly had to scramble to build depth at 10. And, and you know what? We're actually lucky that Marnie is who he is and was able to potentially play 10 for us as, as the Springboks. But you're absolutely right. We've done him a disservice. We should have been playing him a lot sooner at yeah. 10. Yeah, so that I mean that speaks to this conspiracy theory that is doing the rounds that you know Pollard and Um are going to be brought into the squad. Players are going to fake injuries, which I've thought was absolutely ridiculous from the start. Purely based off the fact that we know that Rassi and Jacques are extremely transparent with the players. They're a family unit, and as Jacques said, you know, to to tell a player he's got a place in the World Cup and then to ask him to fake an injury is just not part of the Springbok ethos. Yeah. With that said, I think everyone's. Coach Jacques and Sia are very pragmatic in their approach about planning for the World Cup. They understand that we will have injury. It's just part of the game. We will have an injury. It's not It's not. maybe. It happens every cycle to all teams. People get injured. We just saw Intermac get injured this past weekend. It happens to the best players at the worst time. So chances are high that these players will find their, their way into the Springbok setup. But look, at the time of squad selection... You have to choose who, who's, who's met the criteria to play in that team. Absolutely. And I think it's also important that people know, which is something I think both you and I were surprised to learn, is that the Springbok coaches have a 40% performance clause in their salary. So they don't get 40% of their salary when they lose, which is hectic. That's, that's, a, that's a very big sum of money that you're forfeiting. So you don't want to lose test matches you want to win every test match but with that said you've also got one eye on the world cup you've got to build you've got to put competitive teams in there but you also sometimes need to take a knock to build depth so that you can win the world cup at the end of the day you know what we must just trust jock and we must trust Rassi and we must trust Sia. yeah so on that note i mean there's something we can talk about here which i also thought was very good from the coaches and that's that they were part of the 2011 World Cup cycle where we defended the World Cup and fell out in the quarterfinals. And they pointed out that, you know, they had a very old squad that they took with and that at some practice sessions, about 17 players couldn't train. So the training levels dropped and Russia and them, the first thing they did in 2018 was implement the rule that 
If you don't practice on Monday, you don't play on Saturday. And they've now selected a squad of players that are all fit, players that can train all week. And they know, yes, like you've pointed out, there might be injuries. But they have a strict policy. You will not play on Saturday if you do not train on Monday. And if you refer back to chasing the sun, chasing Colby was injured, didn't train on Monday, but on captain's practice, he was running circles around the starting team. Rassi wanted to introduce him, so Adila Stick said, you lose the team if you do that. And I think this is the same case. Exactly. So I think it's very telling from them that they did take those lessons on board in 2011, and hopefully that pays dividends. But I now want to compare them to the All Blacks of 2015, who successfully defended their title, Ronnie. So... The Springboks are taking a squad. The squad currently has 1,323 caps in it. After the next two weeks, 26 more. So let's call it 1,350 caps, right? That's a fairly experienced squad going to the World Cup. The All Blacks in 2015 had more, though. They had 1,484 caps in their side. So everyone calling the Springboks squad old, I'm just about to dispel that myth for you. The All Blacks took 14 of the 31 players that won the World Cup in 2011 to the 2015 World Cup, right? We're taking 21 of the 33. The players that were not taking because of retirements, Beast, Flo, and Skulk Brits. Then you've got the likes of Thomas Detoy, Andre Pollard, Lucania, Warwick Gallant, Spoon Corsi, Herschel, and Lurt, not making it due to selection. But the All Blacks had an average of 48 caps per player. We're a little bit under that. Ronnie, 66% of the All Blacks team in 2015 was over the age of 30. Two-thirds. Yeah, we're also over the age of 30, and I still feel very young. 18 of our 33 are over that. 18. 18. So we're just, we come in again just under the All Blacks. Not as old as they were in 2015. Which means that we could potentially take this team and, def- and win the World Cup in 2027. A portion of them, but it also dispels this myth surrounding them that we've taken all these old players that are has-beens. Yeah, when other teams have been able to do it in the past. Exactly. Experience counts for a lot. We've got a good number of test caps. We do have a lot of youngsters. They blooded 19 new players in the last cycle. So they've definitely done enough to bring up players. And I'm fairly confident that the mix we have can really pull it off. Absolutely. Then lastly, Kyle, you pointed this out to us on Instagram, that it's quite cool to see the Bach team is not represented by all the big schools in such great numbers at the moment. Greg Blum, Paul Boys, and Paul Kim. One player each only in the box. Really? Yeah. Where does the majority come from? So there's then two players from Paul Ruiz, two players from Tigerberg, and the rest are from all over. Malcolm from Kez. Like they're from all over. No, we need to we need to unpack that more for next week's show. I really would like a breakdown of, of every, the schools. Of the squads. And let's see provinces, let's let's break that down a bit more. Yeah. It's very cool. Thanks for that, Nick, but uh, you need to do a better job for next week. Yeah, I will do. The Sharks also need to do a better job, Ronnie. Did you see that now? The Hollywood Bet Sharks no longer sell sea sharks. I thought they were always... Okay, it was Hollywood... Hollywood Bets Kings Park. Bets Kings Park. But now they're the name sponsor of the Sharks. So what happened to Chelsea? I don't know, Ronnie. I don't have a clue what happened there. But yeah, Hollywood Bets Sharks. It's a mouthful. That is three (laughs) syllables. (laughs) So, Ronnie, let's then just take a look at the Bach 23 to play this weekend. A good team, I feel, that's been selected to play. I'm very excited to see them. Most notably, maybe we should dive in there. Tia Khaleesi starting and captaining the side for the first time this year. 
Well, let's hope they don't give him a full 80. It would be nice to see a full 80, but let's try to protect him a little bit. Let's see if we can maybe get 60 out of him. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get just over a half. You know, his first game back, it's going to be quite intense. Okay, but you started there. Can we start with the props, please? Yes, we can start with the props. You know, the best-looking, smartest players in the team. Whatever. So, Ronnie, Stephen Kitsoff, Malcolm Marks, Franz Malherber. Deadly front row. So, I'm hearing this for the first time, by the way. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen this quote today. So, it's sure. very exciting for me, actually. Oh, that's a great front row. That's a very, very good front row. Malcolm Marks getting another start. We know what he brings to the table, so I'm looking forward to that. We know what we have in him. We know what we have in him. And now he needs to put that on the table. Then Franz Malherber, I mean, the anchor of the box scrum. Excellent. He starts all the time because you just can't move him. <laughs> that's a bad comment. <laughs> then an interesting lock duo. We have the Munster duo reunited of Jean Klein and Archias. Oh, okay. That could be very exciting. So, yeah, I mean, Eben Etzebeth not getting, not getting included in the team. We'll talk about that just now. That's our now for the Namibians. And the South Africans. Lustria, I've already mentioned, Sir Khaleesi is there. Peter Steftatoy on the other flank and Jasper Visa at eight. No, that's an exciting back three. That's probably our strongest back three. Maybe Dwayne at eight. Debate there who you're going to select. Then, Ronnie, over to nine. We have a first game this year for Jaden Hendricks. At least yes, Scrummy. Marnie Lubbock at ten. Good. Happy. Happy. Damien Dialende. Dialende, Dialende. So, Dialende is in the centers with Jesse Creel on his outside at 13. Oh, so, we're going to see this pairing take place. This is probably our primary center pairing. Okay, let's time. see what happens. It would be nice if potentially they put Damien Dialende at, at 13 for some couple of minutes in the game. Just yeah, see we'll see. Maybe they do switch roles up a little bit. It'll be interesting to see. Okay. Vili LaRue at fullback. And then I want you to guess who's starting on the wings, Ronnie. Grant Williams and Caden Moody. That's actually pretty impressive, but no. It's Caden and Moody are right at 14. Cheslin Colby will be starting at 11 this time. Well, I don't know why they switched that around. Probably just playing around a little bit there, see what works. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah, thank you. Then over to the reserves. and it really Who's at 15? Vili. It really irritates me when people go bomb squad for every team that's named. It's a 6-2 split. That bomb makes squad. it a bomb squad, right? Yeah, I know. People have been misusing the term. Bomb squad is all about the six forwards on the bench. Yeah. Bongi and Bonambi, Ox and Chair and Vincent Koch, your front row replacements. Good to see Ox returning. Oh, that's fantastic to see. Then we have Sos as Lock. That's much better than loose forward. Yeah, let's see. Marku Eskom van Staden. Oh, great. Uh, Eskom, fantastic. Dwayne Thor for Mullen. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, that's a heavy bench to take on, eh? Oh, okay. <laughs> Everyone made such a fuss of the bench we had against the All Blacks, but I feel like this is, this this is, is hectic. This is a hectic bench. And then the two forwards included is Grant Williams and Damien Willemson. So Grant Williams is playing, right? Yes, Grant so Williams is on the bench. I figured when I made that guess earlier, he might still be concussed. Yeah, so he's on the bench for this one. Good to see that he's overcome that concussion. Funny, I want to ask you, though, the players not starting and not featuring on the bench, are they certainties? Like, they're our primary players. Yubin Etzebeth, for one. Dwayne, you know, these guys, where, where do they fit into this role now? No, that's a bit of a loaded question, because for some of them, yes and no. For the Yubin Etzebeth, sure, he's a, I consider him an outright starter, and but for Dwayne Vermeulen, I don't. So, 
would you say what's going on with the locks now that Alkia and Klein are starting together and then Marvin and Itzabeth, that's going to be like our two lock pairings that we'll use as we did in Japan? Yeah, I think it makes total sense with Evan Itzabeth and, and Marvin Ori because it is your enforcer, it is your aerial specialist. And it's a partnership that comes from school. And you've got your other partnership for club rugby, like you say. So, yeah, I think that that's quite telling. I think, uh, yeah, there's still some questions that need to be answered now. We need to see where, how Marty, how comfortable Marnie fits in or feels at 10. And we need to see how comfortable Jesse Krill is with, with Damien Delenda at center pairing. So, no, I think it's a loaded question. Yes, it's a bit fantastic starter, probably maybe with Marvin Ori. But Dwayne Vermeulen, I think as much as I love Dwayne Vermeulen, he's from the Lofout, he's one of us. Hard as nails. Hard as nails. You know, they make us tough there in the low felt. And I don't unfortunately see him starting more than uh, Jasper Visa. Fair enough, Ronnie. I think, you know, there are some players like Kirkley. We're probably going to see direct swaps of the lock pairings for next week of Dwayne and Jasper, of Faf coming in and Kirkley and Pimpy maybe playing together, you know. So is it worth predicting next week's squad, perhaps a week early? Yeah, so those are probably the changes I would make. Ox start, Bongi start, basically like for the life. front row swap, the locks would swap. The Lucy's, you could probably ask, Sia would probably stay on to get a little bit more game time. You'd make a direct swap with your nines. Marnie would probably stay there at 10. Maybe you get Andre involved. Maybe you get Andre involved, but I think Damien Delende, Jesse Krill, they might want to work on that combination a bit. You might want to work on that combination a bit. And then your wings, like you say, like for like. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. We've pretty much got two squads here where we'll have to swap like for like. And, yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see because I expect us to play a very strong team to try and beat the All Blacks and get that momentum, especially if we might beat them in a quarterfinal. Ronnie, I have it down on the sheet here, but I think it's something we should look at next week once all the squads are in. It was the, the shock emissions. There are quite a few. So... The squads need to be in on the 21st of August. Okay, there we so go. So this was, this was brought up in one of the interviews now um, uh, that they had with the guys at the airport. So I think we, we agree the squads all need to be in by the 21st. Yeah. So we could probably do this in a week's time. Next week's week's episode, yeah. But Ronnie, did you see how the Argentinian players found out that they were going to the World Cup? No, smoke signals. So checks, big, big ups to you. I think you really did a well, wild and good job of this. He got old players to phone the guys. Felipe Contempomi phoning. No way. Yeah. To all your heroes. All your heroes phoning and saying, congratulations, you've made the cut you're off on your way to France. That's fantastic. I think that was incredibly special, hey? That's awesome. Yeah, those are that, moments like that is what really make you appreciate this game. Well, I'm waiting for Dwayne from Ireland to call me and tell me that I've been called up. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite disappointed that Chex didn't ask you to phone Big Gus Creevy and let him know. Yeah, but I did find out before Gus Creek, I had to keep it to myself. <laughs> Chete, excited for the big man, Ronnie. Then let's take a look at this week's upcoming fixtures, some good games on the cards, and the Springboks first Wales, the first to kick it off. Quarter past four on Saturday afternoon. Box or Wales, Ronnie? Springboks. There we go. But not by much. Springboks by four. Yeah, I'm going to say box by more than ten. Or let's go with ten. Box by ten. Then Georgia hosting the USA. I think that's going to be a tight fixture. Georgia probably get a 20-point win in that one. Absolutely. Ronnie, over to a big clash that's coming up at 6.30 p.m. Ireland hosting England. England. Uh, England. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Why are you laughing? He's laughing as if that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. It is the most ridiculous thing. England don't have Johnny Sexton. England do have Owen Farrell. That's true. Well, maybe Karma's going to bite England in the arse on this one, but I'm expecting a big Irish win out of that fixture. I'm expecting an arms tackle by Owen Farrell. Yeah, me too. Probably safe betting your house on that. <laughs> then Italy versus Romania. That's another fixture. It'll be interesting to see where these two teams are. Italy probably the stronger side. For shizzle. And then the last one of the weekend, France play host to Fiji. That'll be a nice fixture because Fiji like to run the ball. So do France. It'll be very good to see those two teams clash. Agreed. It'll be a very exciting game. Can you pick a winner in that one? Fiji. <laughs> I'm also going for Fiji. Shout out to all of you in Cebu again. We yeah. love you. Cebu, Fiji, you <laughs> legends. We're backing you every day of the all week. All the way. So yeah, guys, it's it's been a busy week. There's a lot of rugby going on, a lot of talk around the World Cup. But it's been a good one, eh, Ronnie? It has been a very good one. And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bra while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it up, light the bra, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.